Hello everyone, good to see you. My name is Anne Claire Mulman. Our website is cwowi.eu, Church Without Walls International. Okay, you can also go to another website, cwowi.org. That's the English, totally English. Our website has a lot of tra uh, translated articles in many different languages. Go there if you live in the somewhere in Europe. It will be a blessing to you. Uh, if you want to know more about house church and you speak uh, English very well, I would suggest you to go to cwowi.org. There are many videos and so on that can be of a great help. Today I want to talk to you about the battle is in our mind and what does it mean to take up your cross? You know, many people said, oh, okay, we all have a cross to bear, take up your cross. But what does it really mean? And what does it say? Uh, what, does it, what do I mean when I say the battle is in your mind? Well, I want to start off with Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and 11. <clears throat> That's Paul speaking. He says, finally, my brother, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So I want to explain a little bit the way Satan works. Here he tells us in verse 11 how the devil operates. Because the word wiles, the wiles of the devil, the word wiles is taken from the word methodos. methodos. It's a compound of the word meta and odos. And meta means with and odos is the word for a road. So literally, it means with a road. So it means that the devil is like a traveler who travels on a road. And when you are traveling on a road, you are heading to, uh, in one direction. The devil is heading in one direction and he has a destination. Wow. In the past, when the, there were no GPS and so on, and when we wanted to go on the trip, we had to use a map. And nowadays, of course, you have the GPS or the lady in the car that tells you what to do and where to go and so on. She can be very demanding, by the way. So, But years ago, when you had to use a web, you were planning your journey to your destination. And you usually wanted to find like the fastest way to get where you were going. And it would be pretty foolish to jump in the car, take off and don't know where to go with no sense of direction. Taking any road could lead you into a multitude of wrong directions. My husband worked for many years in a gas station, Shell gas station along a highway. And oftentimes actually people came by and asked him the direction because they had no clue where they were. They were not used to using a map and probably they didn't have GPS. So I had no idea where's Utrecht, where's Groningen, where's Amsterdam and so on and so on. And they were oftentimes on the wrong road. And he had to direct them to the right road. So it's better to use a map or follow the lady, stay on track. Right. So that is the idea of the word methodos, methodos with a road. So the devil is not wasting any time. Uh, you know, he knows where he wants to go and he has a direction and he has a destination. He is not just a mindless traveler. And when he arrives at his destination, he has one main goal, what he wants to accomplish. He wants to steal, kill and destroy. He wants to steal you from your joy, from your peace. He wants to kill relationships and so on. And he wants to destroy. John 10.10 10 says that. He wants to bring destruction. So the question is, where is the devil traveling? And what does he want to do once he gets there? Well, Paul answered this question about about Satan's destination. When you have your Bible with you, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Paul says there, uh, he says a lot, and then he says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, 
advantage mean that unless he takes something that belongs to you, it doesn't belong to him. For we are not ignorant of his devices. Other translations say in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. We are not ignorant of his purposes. That's actually uh, what it means. So we are not ignorant of his devices. And devices in the Greek, that's the word pneuma, pneumata. That's a form of the word nous, and that describes the mind or the intellect. So Paul is saying we are not ignorant of the way Satan thinks, of his intellect, of his purpose. That's also what it means. We know what he thinks. We know what he wants to do. And another uh, right actually says that uh, this word also means that he has a subtle way of attacking other people's minds. So knowing, so it's about his mind, what he thinks, what he plans, but also he is attacking other people's minds. And that's actually the destination of the devil. He wants to get into your mind. He wants to fill you with lies. He wants to fill you with confusion, false emotions, false perceptions, and so on. Then when you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says there, Casting down arguments in every high place that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So arguments are also reasonings. You know, sometimes people reason with you. They argue a argument with you. And it says in every high place, it exalts itself against the knowledge of God. But you have to bring those into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And the words bringing into captivity... <clears throat> when you look it up in the Greek, it pictures a soldier who is kept in an enemy and now leads him into captivity with the point of a spear into the flesh of his back. So the enemy knows if he tries to move or get away, the soldier will probably kill him. Therefore, he doesn't dare to move. He remains silent and non-resistance. And when Paul says bringing into captivity, he writes it in a tense that describes a continuous action. It is not a one-time affair that one time you can do that, yet you can bring all those thoughts that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God into captivity and then you are done for the rest of your life. No, it is a continuous action. You have to do it over and over again. Why? Because the devil loves to make a playground out of your mind, of your emotions, and you must deal with him. He is an enemy. So you must make a mental decision to seize those thoughts he tries to use to penetrate your mind and emotions. So rather than let those thoughts take you captive, you have to grab them and force them into submission. That's actually what it says, the obedience of Christ, submission of Christ. So take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Then in verse 2, when you go back a verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds. And the word stronghold is an interesting word. It also means a fortress. It's a military term. Like a person, a fortress is like a person who has thoughts that go in to God, like ungodly thoughts. He would guard them, you know, as, as a military fort or as a castle. Maybe you've been to Europe and you've seen those castles, you know, those they have big, thick walls, and usually there's some water around it and there's a bridge a drawbridge, and usually those castles are built upon a hill so they could spot the enemy far off. 
So that's actually what he's saying, a, a fortress, a stronghold is a fortress. And those thoughts can become a stronghold when you uh, listen to those lies, to those lying emotions. And when you start thinking about it, and, and, and the, uh, at the end, when you defend those thoughts or what you believe, they become the truth to you. You believe them and you kind of defend those thoughts. You don't want anyone to come in and to challenge you what you are thinking or challenge you what you are believing. So uh, you want others to keep out of it. But also this word stronghold or fortress, in the, by the time of the New Testament, it also meant, meant a prison. And when you've been to those castles, you know that those prisons are uh, usually deep inside a fortress. So you can't get out of a prison, right? There are bars be before the, the windows. So those fortress doesn't only keep people out, uh, uh, protecting them from coming in, but they also uh, keep you from getting out. They keep you a prison. And that's what actually happens when you have ungodly thoughts, when you have built that, that, that way of thinking in your mind that you think that is the truth, but you have believed a lie. And from there you build on and you build on. And by believing a lie, sin comes. And by believing those lies, those emotions come and you think it's the truth and you want to defend it, you keep it. And everyone who wants to challenge you or wants to uh, uh, say, come on, get out of the prison. You are in a prison. I can take you out, I can lead you out, but they don't want it. They want to defend it and be there and stay there. Wow. What can those thoughts be like that keep you like a stronghold? Maybe someone said, well, you will never amount to anything. Maybe God doesn't love you anymore. You've made so many mistakes, you know, now it's enough. He can't use you anymore. But then you have to counter those thoughts. When you realize it's a stronghold and it's a lie, you have to counter them with what the word says. The word says that God loves everyone, that he died for us and he, Jesus died for us and gave his life even when we were sinners, right? And not only with the written word, but also with the revelation from the father, what he speaks to you. When he says, my child, I love you. I have a plan for you. And I want you to do this or that. Okay, when those thoughts come up, you know, against the knowledge of God, you have to force them and bring them down into submission. You have to, but sometimes you have to say out loud, no, that is not true. The truth is, and then you proclaim the truth. And that's a battle. That's something you have to do over and over again. It, the battle is in the mind and you have to counter them day by day till those thoughts that God says about you, his thoughts, his plans for your life, till they become a natural, your first nature that you have, that you believe that you are loved and that he can use up, uh, use you. When you go to Matthew 16, and now talking about taking up the cross because it has to do with our thoughts too, in Matthew 16, verses 16 till 27, you can read it yourself. Peter says, based on revelation from the Father, when the Lord asked uh, his disciples, who do people say that I am? And then Peter uh, responded and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then verse 21 tells us now that they knew who he really was, that Jesus began to share with them that he had to be crucified and die. And Peter immediately responded, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. And I, I understand he didn't want his, his Lord to die. Right, and what did Jesus say? He turned around and he said in verse 23, you get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me for your thoughts are not the thoughts of God, but of men. Wow, uh, Jesus immediately recognized that those thoughts were inspired by Satan. 
And he says they are a stumbling block. And the word stumbling block in Greek is the word skandalon, which was literally, literally a snare used to trap an animal. So Jesus was saying, Peter, those thoughts, those are, those thoughts are inspired by Satan. They are a trap to kept me off the plan of the Father. It is the plan of the Father for me to, uh, to be, uh, to go to the cross and to die. And then Jesus replied, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Take up his cross. That is how painful, isn't it? Take up his cross. So that denying and take up the cross is therefore denying your thoughts, your plans. Because Peter's thoughts were, no, Lord, you're not going to die. You're not going to the cross. And 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 his his plans, you know, Peter's plans were, Lord, you stay with us forever. I want to be with you forever. But he, he had to deny those thoughts and plans for his life or for Jesus' life in favor of thinking God's thoughts and God's plans. That's what the Lord says. Your thoughts are not the thoughts of God, but of man. So that's a daily crucifixion of your thoughts, right? About ourselves, maybe, or what we like to say to someone, maybe. Uh, denying of self. You want to speak up and you think, oh, no, I'm not going to do this. I keep my mouth shut. There is also a denying, and that's a torture that kills the flesh, right? Uh, so by using crucifixion as an example, you, uh, Jesus understood that uh, the torture involved between before those old thoughts actually die. That's a torturous process. It's hurt you because you have believed it so long and you felt safe there in that castle, in that prison maybe. It's a safe place, but the Lord wants to set you free. You know, it's a process, but it, it's a needed one if we want to grow in the Lord. Isaiah 55, verses 6, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. He will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He is not saying, okay, my thoughts and my ways are so high, you can never attain to them. No, he's saying you leave your thoughts, you leave your ways, what you've always done, what you've always believed, you leave them behind and you come up to my ways and to my thoughts. And that can be that can be difficult. Sometimes it's really the small things, you know, those thoughts that come into your mind, and and the worries that Satan oftentimes starts. Fear, you know, he's a he's a specialist in in bringing fear to us, right? I remember years and years ago when our kids were still small, they were going to school, trying to find a job, and and so on. And one day I was in my mind, I was thinking about my kids and how would it go and. How that's that? How is this going to work out? And then suddenly, the Lord interrupted my thoughts, and He said, "Haven't I told you that I would take care of them, just like that, just like a slap on my on my wrist? Haven't I told you that I would take care of them?" And then immediately I thought, "Oh, but I was just thinking about it." But the Lord said it was a worry. Haven't I told you? Oh no, He says, "Why do you worry about your kids?" That's just a whole. Why do you worry about your kids? Haven't I told you that I would take care of them? 
To me, it was not a worry, but for him, it was a worry, right? And he said, why do you worry? Why do you care? I have... I will care for your kids. So that's that's wonderful. Hebrews 4.12 talks about that the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. A discerner or it divides the thoughts and the intents. I thought it was just a thought. The Lord said, no, it's worry. And then it says in Hebrews 4, uh, 4 Verse 13, there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him. So it's not only that the word of God is a discerner, but here it specifically says there is no creature hidden before his sight. So it's Jesus himself, the living word. He knows exactly what your thoughts are and what your intents were. You know, the meaning behind it, the roots, where those thoughts and where those worries come from. So I, I well, to would advise you, if you feel like you are in that fortress, in that safe place, but you want to get out or in that prison place and, and you have thoughts building up like a fortress and you want to set free, you know, first of all, repent that you have have that the devil had that way into your mind, that you let him travel to your mind and plan those thoughts and those worries and the, those emotions that follow those thoughts and repent of it, and then see what is the truth, and counter those worries, counter those thoughts with what the, uh, the Word of God says, and with what the living Word of God, the living uh, Word of God, Jesus, our Lord, says about it. And it's a process, and it's not easy. It will kill a lot of things, but it will set you free. You shall know the truth, John eight thirty two, and the truth, you know, shall set you free. Hope to see you next time. Bye bye. <music>